Well, ladies and gentlemen, um, it is truly an honor to have, have Dolan with us. And um, so if you don't know Dolan, uh, this is Dolan. I can dunk on him. I know you're looking at him, and he thinks he can dunk on me. But um, Dolan was one of our uh, founding elders at, at Safe Haven back when we used to meet at the theater. Um, and then, by God's grace, he's still um, pastoring and ministering uh, down south, uh, Safe Haven um, Big Sandy, which is now Covenant Church. Um, he is still there, and he is leading and giving his life away, along with the beautiful... I mean, everybody clap for you, but let's just go ahead and say it. Everybody's really here because Vicky's here. Uh, <laughs> And, and Vicky is here, and so it is an honor, ladies and gentlemen, to have Dolan to come and, and to kick off this three-week mini-series. I want to reiterate what Tyler just said. If you're a guest, um, we by nature as a church go straight through books of the Bible, verse by verse, line by line, word by word, straight through books, which is why you see Hebrews back here. Um, and, and so we're taking a little break in that. We'll jump back into that four weeks from now. Uh, but nonetheless... We think it's, it's valuable to speak to relationships. If, if the Apostle Paul, if, if Jesus himself, if um, God the Father spoke about relationships, then it should be important to us. And we think it's valuable for a church to do that. So we're going to do that. Uh, Dolan's going to do that for us. Uh, Dolan, did you bring your Bible up here with you? You're probably going to need that. Yeah, you're probably going to need that. Uh, Julie Beth, uh, yeah, thank you. And, and so Dolan, I want to pray with you. And, and I'm just, we're just going to hand it off and, and just pray that the... The Spirit uses you greatly in our hearts. I love you, brother. Yeah. Um, Lord Jesus, what a grace. What a grace to have um, a a man um, who has been a a spiritual father to me, um, has been a counselor to me and Julie Beth, um, has been (laughs) spiritual pawpaw to my kids. Um, who I've got to co-labor with and just proclaim the good news of Christ alongside, um, who just so many things, so many memories now of how this man has poured into me and Julie Beth and my family. And, and Lord, I just pray if you would be kind and if you would be gracious um, to use him today to pour into the lives of our entire church body. Um, Would you, by your grace, um, speak beyond the voice of a mortal man, Holy Spirit, um, use uh, the scriptures and the words that Dolan has uh, for our good, but ultimately for your glory. May we love Jesus more because of today thinking about relationships. Um, It's your precious time we pray. Amen. Amen. Yeah. One more thing before I go. Um, On the screen, you can, yeah. On the screen, there's going to be a phone number at the bottom that will pop up. It's on the bottom. Um, all throughout this time, you can text any question that you might have to that phone number right there. Um, and, and then we'll filter those. You can literally ask anything you want. And then um, at the end today, I'm, we're going to call Vicki up here and she'll answer all those for us. Uh, so, but nonetheless, feel free to all day long shoot any text you have or any question you have. And Dolan, um, hopefully, will uh, field some of those questions. So, ladies and gentlemen, um, Dolan Davis. Well, wow, I hope, uh, hope I'm on, and uh, man, what, a, what an honor, what a privilege uh, to be here this morning and worship in this uh, great facility that God has blessed y'all with, and, uh, but you know, the thing that wows me the most 
about what I'm looking at this morning is that I don't know most of y'all. <laughs> Those are, most of you are new faces. Uh, some of you are from, uh, I remember from the theater, our days in the theater, but for most of you, I have not had the chance to meet you yet, and, and I don't know who you are, and that's an answer to prayer, because uh, when we were in the theater, one thing we were praying, if God ever allowed us to get out of the theater and have a church on both sides of the river, that that would give an opportunity for uh, us to reach new people, and so that's exactly what's happened, and uh, we covered your prayers down on the south end of town. We, uh, we have the same thing. We've got a lot of uh, new faces that uh, since we've come down there, and so the Lord's just blessed. And it's just a, a pleasure to be with you this morning. Let me, uh, if, you're, if you're a guest this morning, uh, I'm sorry that uh, you had to came, come on Sunday when the, the real preacher wasn't preaching, but you, you come back. And, uh, and if you are visiting, another thing I want to do is... Uh, uh, challenge you to uh, take a hard look at this church if you're looking for a church because this is a place where you can uh, be assured that the scripture is supreme. Uh, you'll get the truth of God's word. You'll be loved. Uh, if you have children, your children will be taught the gospel. And so uh, if you're a guest this morning, uh, please come back and hear the regular preachers and, uh, and give this church a hard look. So uh, anyway, it's good. I'm, I'm a little surprised, I, I'll be honest with you, I'm a little surprised that uh, I was asked to uh, come, especially with the uh, subject being marriage. Uh, and the reason for that is, and I may have to stand up, this table's so tall, I'm, I'm six foot four, and normally I sit down so I won't be so hard to look at, but uh, the reason I'm a little surprised is uh, those of you who were with us in the theater knew, know that we did exactly what uh, Safe Haven does today. We preached through different books of the Bible. That's called expository preaching, and we went verse by verse through the Scripture. And uh, not long after I became a part of Safe Haven, Pastor Troy had me speak one Sunday, and, and after that, uh, he would usually, in every book of the Bible, usually there would be at least one or two times when I was graciously given the opportunity to, uh, to preach. And, and it was true for every book of the Bible that we went through, except for one book, and that was the Song of Solomon. <laughs> now, granted, I'm a good bit older than Pastor Troy is, and at the time, as, as is the case where I go to church now, I'm probably the oldest man there. And those of you who are familiar with the Song of Solomon know it's a fairly intimate book. It has a lot to do with... Uh, marriage, and it talks a lot about two lovers and so forth. And uh, But I never got a chance to preach in, in any of that, and I was kind of looking forward to it. And uh, You know, I, after that series was over, we, we were at Christmas, and I got asked to preach one of the Christmas messages, but I was still a little, honestly, a little myth that I didn't get to go through. And, you know, I studied it, and I was ready, and... and, and if you read through the Song of Solomon, there, there's one place in there where it, uh, as an illustration, it compares the intimacy of marriage to uh, climbing a palm tree. Well, bless Pat, folks. I still knew how to climb a palm tree back then, you know. And so, so anyway, I, I'm, I guess I say all that to say I'm a little surprised that marriage being the intimate relationship it is that I got invited to, to come today. But whatever, I'm... I'm glad to be here, and uh, Vicki and I are honored to be here, and I'd like to uh, 
have wonderful, wonderful memories. Uh, gracious time in my life uh, when we were together in the theater. And, uh, but anyway, I wasn't called to, here today to reminisce. I was called to, to proclaim God's word, so that's what I want to do. So if you have your Bibles or your <clears throat> devices or whatever we want to look at, uh, we're going to go all the way back to the beginning this morning. Our focal text is going to be Genesis chapter 2, verses 24. Genesis chapter 2, verse 24. Now I want to make one other, uh, one other disclaimer. Uh, if the Lord allows me and my sweet wife to live until... September the 7th of this year, we will celebrate 50 years of marriage. Now, I share that with you because I had a young fellow at our church ask me not too long ago, who's been married for a little while, he, said, he asked me, he said, Dolan, how many years do you have to be married before you get marriage figured out? And I looked him square in the eye and I said, I don't know, but it's more than 50 years, I can tell you that. <laughs> so I want you to know I'm no expert, I don't have all the answers, but uh, God's Word does. And so let's, let's look at that. Genesis chapter 2, verse 24 and 25. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. And the man and his wife were both naked and were not ashamed. Let's pray. Dear God, we bow our heads and our hearts before you today in this place, unworthy, but absolutely grateful that we can approach you in all your majesty, your might, your holiness. We thank you, God, that of your own free will you chose to love us even when we were sinners and you gloriously displayed that love by sending Christ to die for us Father what a beautiful place you have given this body to worship But Lord, the real beauty is you. You know how much we need you today, Father. We thank you that you have placed your spirit within us as your children. We pray, dear God, that your spirit this morning as we look to your word might give us ears to hear, eyes to see hearts to understand your truth. God, please glorify yourself in this place today. Lift up the name of our precious Savior. 
and draw us all near to your heart and to your presence. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. So I want to give you a little bit of context for our verse today. And for time's sake, I'm going to do that uh, with very little commentary and some bullet points. But there, are, there, are, there is some importance to the context that precedes this passage and that follows after this passage. And so let's look first of all at Genesis chapter 1, verse 27, and look at our creation, where God's Word says, So God created man in His own image. In the image of God, He created him. Male and female, He created them. And so what we find from this verse in context is three points I want to bring out. First is that we are a creation of God. We're not just a physical byproduct of our biological parents. We are a unique creation of God. If you read in Psalms, the psalmist tells us in 139 that we are uniquely wove together. Every fabric of our being is wove together. And not only are we a creation of God, but we are created in God's image. We are created in His likeness. That term image brings with it the, the realization of, of being His representative. Uh, third, we are created male and female. We are created different. And so what's the application of, of this truth? Well, it's this, that our value as humans is derived from being God's creation in His likeness, not from anything else, not even from marriage itself. Single humans are just as important and as valuable to those who are married because we're made as God's creation in His image. And, when, and I know it's popular in culture today, but I have to address it because God's Word does. For us to try to change our gender is a rejection Listen, not of ourselves, it's a rejection of God. It's God's will. We were created who we are according to God's choice. Genesis 1.28, let's look at our commission. The scripture says, And God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the heavens, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. And so our commission is this. God has commanded us to multiply, to fill the earth. And He has has called on us to multiply and fill the earth because, secondly, we're to rule His creation as His representative. God has ultimate rule. He is sovereign. He is in control. But He has chose mankind is his creation to be his representative and to be sort of the under ruler, if you will. And then in this passage, it says that God blessed them. How are, we to, how are we to carry out this commission of ruling in God's creation? We're to depend on the blessings that he gives us. And two of those special blessings are found in the second chapter of Genesis. In, in verse 7, the scripture tells us that God breathed into man, life. 
And so people, life only comes from one source. Real life comes from God. That term breathe can be translated blasted. And the picture is that for man to become a living soul, it took the very life of God being blasted into his being to have that life. And so if life is only comes from God, then that tells us one thing about marriage, that real life in the marriage relationship has to come from the same source. It comes from God. The other blessing that we're shown in that second chapter of Genesis is found in verse 18 where it says God realized that man needed a helper. Someone to help fulfill this commission. And so the application that comes from this is this, that marriage is very important. Listen to this church. Marriage is primarily about God's glory and God's will and our Holiness, not our happiness. We went, when we were in the theater, we had a council with a young man who was going to leave his wife and his children, and uh, Pastor Troy, I remember that. And, and, and when this man was counseled, his response for leaving his wife and his children was, well, God expects me to be happy, and I can be happy with this other lady, and I can't with my wife. And he was totally wrong. And the circumstances of that kind of decision were devastating. Because folks, listen, God wants us to be happy. I'm not arguing that. But more than that, he wants us to be holy. He wants us to be set apart. And that's the primary purpose of marriage, is to make us holy. Third, in our context, in Genesis chapter 3, verses 6 and 7, we find our challenge So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was a delight to the eyes and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate and she also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate. Then the eyes of both were opened and they knew that they were naked and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loincloths. And so sin enters the world, and the application to this is that marriage is challenging. Marriage doesn't come easy. It's difficult. It's tough. And it's tough because, think about this, folks, marriage is not just a, a, a union of two opposite sexes. It's not just a union in which two people with often totally different backgrounds, totally different values, totally different mindsets come together in a marriage relationship. But know this, that marriage is the coming together of two sinners. And that's why marriage is tough. That's why marriage is challenged. Because of sin. In fact, we might could make an argument that the real sin that was committed at the fall was not the fact that Eve looked at the fruit and liked the fruit and saw all these different features about it and took it. The real problem was Adam was there. How come he wasn't holding fast so that she didn't encounter that temptation? So the challenge for marriage is that we have to battle sin. But I want to spend most of our time today on our commandment that I read in the 
opening verses of Genesis 2, 24 and 25. Let me read it one more time. Therefore a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. And the man and his wife were both naked and were not ashamed. Now, I want you to notice some things before we unpack this verse. The first is this. This verse makes it clear that the primary responsibility in marriage is placed on the man. So for that reason, today when I break this package down, I'm going to be focusing mainly on us who are husbands or future husbands. A second note I want to give you about this verse is this, that this is the first in all Scripture, this is the first definite instruction from God's Word concerning the expectation of marriage. And here's the expectation. For husbands to hold fast to their wife. And finally, this text is the first scriptural specific definition of marriage, and it's this. It's the husband and the wife coming together to become one flesh. Now, marriage gets defined in a lot of different ways today in our culture. But if you want to know what God considers marriage to be, that's it. That a man and a woman, that a husband and a wife come together and they become one. And so, therefore, when you approach the subject of marriage anywhere else in Scripture, when you approach the subject of marriage, you've got to approach it with this as the foundational truth of what God says marriage is and what God expects in marriage. All right, well, having said that, men, listen up. Our primary responsibility in marriage is to hold fast to our wife. That term, that Hebrew term that's translated hold fast, is used over 50 times in the Old Testament. And many of those times, it's used to refer to one holding fast to the Lord. It's sometimes translated to cling. It's sometimes translated to cleave. And it's sometimes translated to bond. And the sense of it, the the implication of it is that to hold fast is to be bound or stuck together. It would be a a term that the Israelites would use if they were talking about something being similar to us being glued together. The first time I looked at this verse and did a little research on it, I I went to uh, Google and I pulled up Gorilla Glue. And you know, that Gorilla Glue, that's that's an amazing product, that Gorilla Glue. I mean, it, it it can bind just about anything in the world, you know. I guess everything but a broken heart, it can put back together and stick. It's some powerful stuff. But what, when God says we're to hold fast our wife, listen, God's talking about what I'm going to refer to as a grip, a marriage grip that a husband is to have for his wife, listen, that far exceeds anything Gorilla Glue can do. And so I want to point out three, I want to spend the majority of our time this morning pointing out three features of what I call this marriage group, this holding fast. The first thing our text tells us is that it is a sacrificial grip. It's a sacrificial grip. The scripture tells us this, says, therefore a man shall leave his father and his mother. 
Husbands, for us to grip our wives the way God intended, it's going to cost a sacrifice. It's going to cost something. Something's going to have a sacrifice takes place when something is put to death. And something's going to have to be put to death for us to have the kind of grip that God intends for us to have for a marriage. Now, we know it's sacrificial. It starts out, but God's Word starts out by saying, Therefore a man shall leave his father and his mother. Now, I know that uh, I'm, I'm, I'm assuming Pastor Troy still you and Tyler still uses the ESV translation for most of your preaching, and so I, knowing that, I'm sure some of you have an ESV study Bible. And if you do, if you'll check your notes on that verse, it'll tell you that when God's Word says, therefore a man shall leave his father and mother, it's not talking about a physical separation. It's not just talking about moving to another town. The Israelite sons did not do that. When an Israelite son married his wife, he stayed on his daddy's property. And the, so the family unit was, was very important. Up until the, up until the time of, uh, an Israelite man was married, the, the, the family, the dad, the mother, the siblings, was, was his communion. It, it was his community. It was where he drew his association and his strength and everything from. And he didn't leave that when he got married. So when the the Word of God says, leave your father and mother, it's not talking about a physical separation. Neither is it giving us permission, men, to be dishonorable to our mother and father. The the, the commandment to honor our father and mother still stands. So what is God talking about here? What does he mean when he says a man shall leave his father and his mother? Well, it means this, man. It means that when we marry our wife, that relationship with our wife has to become the primary relationship we have. It must must be superior to all other relationships. We have to grip our wives, hold fast our wives, with our supreme affection. Listen, when you take a woman to be your wife, men, her welfare has to take precedence over everybody else in your life, even even your children and your family. She has to be first. In fact, the best provision that a husband can give to his children, a father can give to his children, is to love their mother above all others. To hold fast to our wife means that that no other relationship we have competes for first place in our lives. With the help of the Holy Spirit who lives within us as believers, we have to put to death any affections to others that would threaten our supreme devotion to our wife. And so what that means, men, is that every decision we make whether it's a decision about our career and our jobs, whether it's decisions about who's going to be our friends, who's going, what, what kind of hobbies we're going to have, our, our purchases, our financial obligations. Listen, even, even our involvement in church. All those decisions have to be made with this consideration. How is this decision, how is this commitment going to affect my ability to hold fast to my wife. 
The sad reality is sometimes marriage is dissolved because men with good intentions focus so much on making income and providing all the physical things that they want their wife and their children to have. And they do it at the sake of not holding fast to their wife. It's got to be number one, man. It's got to be the number one. You're sitting there and you're thinking, man, the old marriage grip is very costly. You're right. It is. It's very costly. But it has to be paid if you and I are going to be the husbands that God expects us to be according to His Word and that our wife needs. And men, there's a reason. There's a reason that we don't pay that sacrifice, that we don't pay that cost, and it's because we're sinners. And at our core, we're selfish. And our natural default as men is for marriage to be about our needs. And so the cost of the marriage grip is this, that we have to die to, to ourself for the sakes of our wife. You know, Galatians 5.25, of the popular passage about marriage says, Husbands, love your wives. How? As Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. And that's the kind of sacrifice God expects us to make for our wives. Jesus said we're to take up our cross daily. And so dying to self and making a sacrifice for our wife, it's not a one-time decision. It's a daily. It's a, it's a daily life of making those decisions and making those sacrifices that will allow us to hold fast to our wife. Well, not only is it a, the scripture, our scripture tells us it's a sacrificial grip, but it's a sustaining grip. Our text says they shall become one flesh. Now, man, that means more than that physical intimacy that takes place on the honeymoon night. Shall become one flesh. That, that Hebrew term speaks of a continuing process. It, it's, like a, it's like a work in progress. And that adjective one means a, a single union. In other words, we're to become one flesh. We're, we're to become two husband and wife are to become a single union. And it's for a lifetime. The language there is that of a covenant. And in this covenant of marriage, the husband bears the responsibility to hold fast, listen, and never, never let the bond come apart. Uh, I don't know how many of you had formal weddings. I'm sure most of you did. But, you know, when, when I married Vicki, I, I stood before a crowd in a church, and this is what I said in the vow. I said, I promise to love, comfort, honor, and keep her in sickness and in health and forsaking all others. Be faithful to her as long as you both shall live. That's not just wordage from a, a marriage commitment. That's the same thing Jesus said. In Matthew chapter 19, verse 4, we have, a, we have recorded for us a conversation between Jesus and some Pharisees. And the Pharisees were trying to uh, ask Jesus questions that might get him in trouble for answering. And they asked Jesus about the, the matter of divorce. And here's what Jesus said in Matthew 19, 4 through 6. He said, Have you not read 
that he who created them from the beginning made them male and female and said, Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. That's the definition Jesus gives of marriage. And then listen to what he says. So they are no longer two, but one flesh. Catch this now. What therefore God has joined together, what God has bound, the two that God has put together, let not man separate. In his book, Sacred Marriage, which I would recommend every married couple in here get a copy of, Gary Thomas says this in in the book. He says, marriage is a long walk. It's not a sprint, men. It's not a 40-yard dash. It's a long walk. And so it's to be a sustaining grip. And then finally, our text tells us that marriage is to be a satisfying grip. Our verse tells us in verse 25, And the man and his wife were both naked and were not ashamed. Now, my wife told me this. She said, Dolan, when somebody says naked, it means they don't have any clothes on. But if they say naked, it means they up to something. <laughs> so I don't know whether Adam and Eve were naked or whether they were naked. I don't know. <laughs> Scripture doesn't give me the commentary on that. But what I do know is this. That whatever they were in their birthday suits, the scripture says they were not ashamed. There's no shame in their union. Now there's a lot, lot more to this existence, this meaning of this, this in God's word when it says they were, they were not ashamed. It's not just talking about they were comfortable and being unclothed each other, folks. There, there was satisfaction. They were in a union where the, this was before sin. And marriage was as God had intended for it to be before sin entered the world. And there, there was no shame. And the fact that there was no shame means there was, there was no insecurity between them. There was no guilt. There was no jealousy in that, in that first initial marriage. And most importantly, there was, there was no selfishness. There was no mistrust. There was no, listen, there was no judgment on either one of them's part. Instead, there was freedom. There was gratitude. There was joy. It was genuine, unconditional love. There was acceptance. There was true communion. There was contentment. And most importantly, because there was no shame, listen, there was satisfaction. There was satisfaction in that marriage. In 1965... Before many of you were born, 
the Rolling Stones released a song entitled, I Can't Get No Satisfaction. You know the lyrics, some of you know, it says, I can't get no satisfaction because I try and I try and I try. I can't get no satisfaction. Vicki, come up here a minute. You okay? I think so. I know you're a little uncomfortable. You're okay. <laughs> Just take a deep breath. Okay, you don't, you don't have to say anything. It's good. I want to give you a testimony today. In the early years of my marriage, I didn't hold fast, as the scripture tells us to. The only holding fast I really did in those first years of marriage was in the bedroom. And I imagine that uh, in her heart, Often, Vicky's saying, I can't get no satisfaction. In fact, looking back, I know I could see it on her face, seeing her act. But God graciously, graciously, sent me off to a Promise Keepers convention with some men from our church and a tall, skinny black fella preached at that conference. And I never will forget his message. He gave that message on serving your wife. He talked about some of the things he did for his wife when God opened his heart up to what it meant to be a, a husband who held fast his wife. The Holy Spirit spoke to him that day. That was on a, We came home late on a Saturday night. Uh, and on that Sunday after church, I asked one of the ladies at our church to come to the house. Vicky was going to be gone that afternoon, and uh, I asked her to come show me how to wash clothes. I didn't even know how to turn on a washing machine. <laughs> and so she came, and uh, I showed her the load of clothes, and she told me before she showed me, she said, Adolin, you're going to be here a while washing these clothes. <laughs> And I said, well, that's okay. Vicky's going to be gone for a while. And so I, I'm, I'm telling you, it probably took me two to three hours to wash that load of clothes and, and, and get them dry and so forth. But I was so proud, I, I got it. And it uh, changed my life. Uh, my marriage, my marriage before God opened my eyes to that up looked like this. It's all about me. All about me. But after God opened my eyes, I can thank the Lord today. It's more, it's more like this. All he's doing. And uh, like I say, September be 50 years. Okay? All right, you can go back down now. Okay? <laughs>
men. The marriage grip that our text talks about that brings satisfaction is most often the grip of a garbage bag going out and taking it outside. Sometimes it's a grip on a garbage cart. I'm not, excuse me, not a garbage cart, on a grocery cart so that the wife doesn't have to go and buy groceries. Sometimes the marriage grip is a broom or a mop or a dustpan. Sometimes it's a grip of a Swiffer or a vacuum cleaner or the grip on a child who either needs her diaper change or needs to be put in the bathtub. The man and his wife were naked and they were not ashamed. They were satisfied. And that's the kind of grip that God expects for us as men to have for our wives. And this is a high call. It's a very high call that God has placed on marriage. To have a grip that's sacrificial, to have a grip that sustains, to have a grip that satisfies. And there's only one way to have that grip. There's only one source from which that grip can flow. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2. Looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before Him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Folks, the love that Jesus has for you and me was a grip that was sacrificial. He gave His all on the cross. Jesus held nothing back when he went to the cross. The grip of love that Jesus had for you and me was sustaining. He endured the cross until the full wrath of God toward sin was received. You see, physically, when they drove the spikes through Jesus' wrist on that crossbar of that cross, Physically, that's what held him there. But he could have removed those spikes by just thinking about it. What held him on that cross, folks, was his love and commitment to the Father. That's what held him there. His grip was sustaining. He stayed there until the full wrath of God was satisfied primarily because of his love for the Father, obeying his Father. 
And that same obedience is what will allow us to sustain the grip on our wife. And the grip and love of Jesus for you and me was satisfying. The scripture says that he endured it for the joy that was set before him. What was the joy that was set before him? It was the joy that knowing that he stayed on that cross and obeyed his father. That was the joy. And the joy that can come from marriage is to know that we hold fast our wives in obedience to the command that God gave us. You know, we read how that in the fall of man when sin took place, we read that Adam and Eve realized they were naked and they tried to cover up that shame by sewing fig leaves together to cover themselves. Those fig leaves and sewing them together represented their effort on their own part to try to do something that would cover up the shame. And it didn't work. We go on to read in the scripture, we find out that God had to take an animal's life and took the skin of that animal and made clothing for him. Because you see, our efforts and our own strength and what we can do in and of ourselves won't get the job done. Fig leaves were not appropriate wedding clothes. And marriages fail often because husbands don't hold fast to their wife and the reason they can't hold fast is because they got the wrong wedding clothes. Men, we can't do it in and of ourselves. God doesn't expect us to hold fast in and of ourselves. The only wedding clothes that are proper is the wedding clothes of the righteousness of Jesus. That's what it takes. And so my challenge to you today, men, is this. If we're going to hold fast to our wives, we're going to have to go to the right source. And the right source is Jesus. See, as sinners, the Bible says that sin separates us from God. Wages of sin is death, and all of us have sinned. And that separation is something that we can't do anything about. God is holy and He's perfect and just, and we are sinful, and there's a gap that exists. And we can't close that gap in and of ourselves. We can't get to God by any of our own good works and our own efforts. And honestly, men, we can't be husbands that 
hold fast to our wives and what we need to be for her in and of our own self. It takes something beyond ourselves. It takes somebody beyond ourselves. And that somebody is Jesus. See, God loved us so much that even though we couldn't get to Him, He came to us. And Jesus came and lived the perfect life that we couldn't live. And then died as the only acceptable substitute that God would accept. Perfectly God, and yet at the same time man. And He lived the life we couldn't live, and then He died the death that we should have died so that we could be forgiven. We're to hold fast to our wife. How do we do that? Man, that's a tall order. It's a very tall order. And the only way we can do it is in the strength and the power of a relationship with Jesus. Marriage is tough. It's tough. But it's such fulfillment and there's tremendous joy And there's tremendous satisfaction that can be had. But that grip has to be empowered by Christ himself. So that's my message to you today. That's God's message to you today. If you've never come to Christ and trusted him as Savior, then that's the first step in having a sure enough marriage that's made in heaven is to come to Christ. Ladies, I've spoke to the men this morning. Some of you ladies I know are sitting there and you're thinking, man, Dolan, if I had a husband like that, marriage would be a breeze. Well, you heard my testimony. I told you the truth. I'll be honest with you. If if I had been Vicky, I probably would have left after the first two or three years because I was a selfish, selfish husband. But she stuck with me. She prayed for me. And God graciously changed me. I'm not where I need to be. I don't want to stand up here today and tell you I'm, you know, I'm king of the hill. I, like I told you, I ain't got it figured out. But I can tell you this, that through Jesus, through spending time on our knees together approaching Him, by confessing our sins not only to Him but to each other, I can tell you this, that as I head into my 50th year of marriage, it's out the roof better than I thought it could ever, ever be. And it's all because of Jesus. That's my head. Lord Jesus, I thank you that you are a perfect husband. You hold fast us as your children with a sacrificial grip. You gave your all, Lord, and you continue to give your all to us as your spirit dwells within us. 
I thank you, Lord Jesus, that you are a perfect husband who holds fast to us with a sustaining grip. Lord, you say in your word that we are in your hand as your children and we are in the Father's hand and nothing can snatch us from you. What a grip we're so grateful for, Lord. And Lord Jesus, I thank you that your grip on us is a satisfying grip. That it gives us joy and peace and forgiveness and freedom. Lord, what a Savior you are. And I pray today, dear God, as this church opens up this series on marriage, I pray for those who are married, those who are single, young, old, and all in between, Father. I pray today that you would take the truth of your word and help them see that, Lord Jesus, as in all relationships, you are the one who can make that relationship what our Heavenly Father intended it to be. God, if in this place today, if faith needs to be born for the first time, then I pray your Spirit would help those who need to be born again to come to faith in Jesus today. I pray, dear Lord, for brothers and sisters in Christ who might be here today who need their faith to be strengthened and renewed, I pray, God, that that would happen. Lord, only you know the deepest needs of our hearts. Only you know, Lord, the deepest needs of the marriages that are assembled in this place today. And we know from your word that you can do far more than we ever thought or imagined. And Lord, I pray that you would do that today in this place in the hearts of those of us who are gathered here today. And we'll give you all the praise and all the glory. In Jesus' name, amen.